the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Proudly supported by Disney Plus. Full of stories and love for all. Steve Danny here. Welcome to this special on Virgin Radio Pride. It's Madonna. Finally, enough love. She's released a new album, which includes the 50 US dance chart billboard number one she's had. Now, coming up on the show, you'll hear from loads of celebrities who absolutely love her. What an absolute icon. As, as good as an artist can get. She was like a spirit guide to me, and she helped me through, and she saved my life. She is the queen. She's the queen. Due to rights reasons, the music's slightly shorter than our broadcast version, but trust me, it's still fabulous. I've been a huge fan of Madonna since she released Like a Prayer in the late 80s, and I'm just sat here working out how many times I've seen her live over the years. I reckon easily, it's easily 18 times. Shows here in the UK and right around the world. I've run with her and her minders in London's Hyde Park. I've even sat in a cinema with her, watching her own movie, a couple of seats away from her and Guy Ritchie. You could say I'm quite a fan. So let's start with track number one from Madonna, Finally Enough Love. It is Holiday. It's a song that our very own Chris Evans witnessed Madonna performing when she did her first performance here in the United Kingdom. The first time I ever saw Madonna was in Manchester at the Hacienda uh, because the Tube, the legendary TV show, Jules Holland yeah. and Paulie H. Tube, um, that uh, one week went on location and they broadcast live because it was a live show on Friday night on Channel yeah. 4, you remember? And they broadcast live from the Hacienda. And I can't remember why, but there's a reason for it. And I was in Manchester at the time. And we managed to get tickets to go and see the Tube. My favourite show in the world anyway. And it was coming to the town where I was living and working. And um, we were watching the show. And there was a girl that came on stage. And she was dancing to this song called Holiday. And we thought... We thought it was a bit of a filler, to be honest. We didn't even know if, they, it was a, if they'd gone to an ad break. But it was Madonna doing this song. This girl we never heard of called Madonna doing this song called Holiday. And we, later on, we realised, oh, that, that was... was oh, I remember one. seeing Madonna. Um, and it was the third time. It was on Sire Records, which is part of Warner Brothers. And Holiday was released three times because the record company couldn't believe it wasn't a hit the first two times round. They said, we've got to release it again. You know, this has got to work. We know what we do. This is what we do for a living. And we can't believe that, A, she hasn't caught light and the song hasn't caught light. And they gave it one more roll of the dice in the UK. And for some reason, um, it engaged people uh, the third time around. And then I think that transferred to... The, the, there was enough heat in the UK for it to become a hit elsewhere. Madonna superfan and creator of the Inside the Groove podcast, Edward Russell, remembers his first Madonna moment. I, I first saw her when she was on Top of the Pops in 1984 with Holiday. Um, and I was 13, nearly 14 at the time. And it was the same episode as Cindy Lauper first performed girls just want to have fun so they were quite comparable they were similar they were mm. from New York and I didn't really like Madonna <laughs> I liked Cindy I liked her song but Madonna looked a bit a bit grungy a bit dirty <laughs> I must have been quite a prudish 13 year old boy at the time um, and, and yeah but you know it progressed she then brought out Like a Virgin later on that year and I thought oh yeah this is good and, and I liked her songs I liked her music after that Top of the Pops performance it became Madonna's first charting single in Britain and it went to number 14 a year later it was re-released and it went all the way to number two and then guess what six years later in 1991 she released it for a third time and it went to number five it is holiday
It's holiday, it's Steve Dennier here with you. This is Madonna, Finally Enough Love. It's her new album. It's a bit like the Immaculate Collection on steroids. This album, this is 50, number one she's had on the US Billboard chart. It's out on Friday. And let's get into our next track. I want to talk to a comedian and Virgin Radio presenter, Tom Allen, who tells us the impact Madonna had on him as a young lad living in Bromley in South East London when he first discovered her. Well, she never came to Bromley, if that's what you mean. She never performed at the Churchill Theatre, which obviously we were all disappointed about. As a child of the 80s, I remember that era as I was sort of coming to consciousness. And I was aware that it was raunchy. And I was aware from a very early age that I was either different, but probably gay. Didn't have the words to express it. But I was, so I was drawn to Madonna in the sense that she was outrageous. And I was drawn to the fact that she was doing something different, that was counterculture, was subversive. And that people were, were outraged by it. I didn't really understand the raunch of it. I didn't understand anything about conical bras or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but I love the playfulness of it as well. The, the fact that she could go from, 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 from being in a sort of Marilyn Monroe-esque persona to suddenly in a much more sort of, sort of harsh, uh, kind of, you know, dominant persona. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that she was able to be playful with that spoke to me because it meant that you could be playful in the world. So as a Madonna fan, it's always kind of fighting talk when you bring up what's the best Madonna song of all time. When you start discussing it, the conversation can go anyway. But journalist, author and Virgin Radio Pride presenter Matt Cain had no problem telling me his. It's got to be, there's loads of them, but it's got to be Open Your Heart because um, that's the one that changed everything for me. And then it was compounded when that was the opening number on the first tour that I saw. So that really meant to you. Because I think that's really interesting. Everybody, depending on their age and depending on the time when Madonna really got to them, that's where, that's the reinvention they pick, isn't it? Well, I feel so lucky, literally, that it was horrific growing up in the 80s. But as a Madonna fan, as a gay man, it was horrific growing up in the 80s, but as a Madonna fan, I feel so lucky that I just about can remember 1984, and I have very clear memories of 1985, because 1985 was the year that she had eight top five hits, Live Aid, the first tour, didn't come to the UK, but the first tour, and the Like a Virgin album, the film Desperately Seeking Susan, she was everywhere, and it exploded, and... I was there for that. I feel so lucky that I got to experience that. As we go into Open Your Heart, I asked DJ and remixer Wayne G what he thinks of this legendary track. The one thing that always stuck in my mind from that whole era was the there was the 12-inch mix of Open Your Heart, which had never been anywhere available other than the 12-inch single back in 87 or 88. Which I think 87 was Open Your Heart. Mm. And they just put it on streaming now. But it's, it's called Open Your Heart Extended Version. It's 10 and a half minutes. And it's just a journey through music. It's beautiful. And still stands the test of time through anything. But then you have also have other songs like Papa Don't Preach and all that. Like A Prayer, obviously. They were all relatively the same era. Like A Prayer came after, obviously, through Blue. But, I mean, that True Blue album, come on. One of the best. Daniel with you on Virgin Radio Pride. Welcome to this Madonna special. Madonna, 
finally enough love 50 number ones and just in case anyone wants to argue she has had 50 number ones on the American Billboard dance chart and the album's out there to prove it released on Friday now my own personal Madonna journey started when I bought the album Like a Prayer it was March it was 1989 it cost £5.99 I bought it in HMV in London and I just remember the first time I opened the record and the sleeve was scented with Madonna's favourite perfume and all these years later some 32 years later that album is in my parents loft at home and the loft still smells of frankincense and patchouli which was that scent it's quite unbelievable Matt Cain author and journalist remember seeing Like a Prayer for the very first time the video was kind of like the prelude to the Blonde Ambition tour and it was about to set the world on fire you've got to remember that yes she pioneered the music video totally radically um advanced that art form but the live concert tour until then had been musicians with guitars and just playing the music there was no theatricality there weren't different themed acts with costume changes set changes there weren't video projections there wasn't the level of dancing mm. um you know her movement she she pioneered the whole madonna mic the headset yeah, mic yeah. so she could move it was like it was an absolute revolution and when you see pop concerts now, they are still exactly the same format. Yes. Four or five themed um, acts. You start with a group number, everybody on stage, then you strip it back to just Madonna on a chair, maybe with one dancer. You know, it was it was the same emotional progression that I've seen so many times since and it all started from that tour. Madonna podcaster and huge, huge fan Edward Russell remembers her return with Like a Prayer and the musical leap she had made. The leap that you talk about happened two years later with the Like a Prayer album. Right. Because she'd gone away. She'd gone away for like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and This is when she came back in 1989, isn't yes, it? Yes, and she had the long, dark brown hair. We'd last seen her with short blonde hair. And back in those days, with no internet, you could disappear as a star. No one knew where you were. I'd almost forgotten about her. I'd sort of, in that period, I'd turned 18. I was, by this point, 19. And I'd got into house music and clubbing and all the things that go with that. And then she came out with this song, Like a Prayer, that sounded like nothing else. It still doesn't sound like anything else. It sort of sounded retro and modern and futuristic at the same time. It also came with a load of house music um, remixes, which were, were great. The visuals were phenomenal. I got the album and that was it. No turning back. God? Steve Daniel with you. So proud to be hosting this tonight. Madonna, finally enough love. 50 number ones she's had on the Billboard dance chart in the States. And the album celebrating that very fact is out on Friday. Our next track is 
Vogue. Now, what a song this is from 1990. And I always remember the first time I heard this on the radio, the DJ was playing the 12-inch mix of Keep It Together. And he said, you know, I've just got this acetate in from New York City. We think it's Madonna. See what you think. And wow, my 13-year-old mind was absolutely blown. I mean, Vogue took her to a whole new level. And actually, Vogue's the reason Edward Russell creator of Inside the Groove, the Madonna podcast. It's the reason why he started the thing. Vogue turned 30 uh, on the 27th of March, uh, 19, oh, 2020. Uh, and I read some articles and they were interesting, but they weren't saying some of the facts about the song that mm. I know because I'm a musician and a producer as well. And I also had some access, to, I'm not saying where I got it from, but I had some access to uh, to some of the, the, the studio sessions and, and the demos and stuff like that. So I thought, well... Let's give it a go. Why don't I do a podcast? They're talking about everybody else doing one. Um, and I did. I think it's fair to say everyone has a favourite Madonna song from a favourite Madonna era. And Vogue was Jack Severetti's. And I remember when Vogue came out that we were completely mind blown by it. And I have a really funny memory of um, we were in holiday in the south of Spain, my sister and I. And there was this amazing sort of holiday camp entertainer. You know what I mean? Like the kind of guys, everybody get together, come here, come there. And he started doing Vogue. But with the Spanish accent, he didn't say his Vs. He said, Bogue, Bogue, Bogue. And still to this day, if my sisters, you know, we've been through some traumatic times in the couple last months. And just to make her laugh, if, you know, whether you're in hospitals, at a funeral, one of those kind of situations, I just look at her and I always say, Bogue, Bogue, Bogue. And, and he was doing the whole dance routine and everything, you know, like really going for it. Wow. So yeah, so that was my, that's my earliest memory. Our very own Graham Norton cites Vogue as a social game changer and remembers the first time he saw Madonna perform it. I remember being in the Vauxhall Tavern uh, in London. Brilliant. It's a big drag bar. I love it. It was really fun. And they would, before the acts would come on, they'd lower this screen in front of the stage and they'd show music videos and music clips. And they had Madonna's performance at, I don't know whether it was the Grammys or the MTV Music Awards or Whatever. But it was that famous kind of um, Marie Antoinette uh, yes. version of Vogue mm. where they were all wearing the crinolines and the ruffs and things. And the dancers, the, the dancers weren't sort of camp or fay. They weren't kind of like, oh, I bet, I bet that dancer's gay. That was the point of the dancers. They were overtly gay. They were being sexual with each other. You knew what they were. And that seemed really revolutionary to us watching that on on a big american mainstream stage and i think you know people can forget the part that madonna played in in that that she did embrace her gay fans she did embrace gay performers uh, in a very open overt unapologetic way and at that time that really, really mattered. What are you looking at? This is Madonna 
finally enough love. She has had 50, 50, 50 number ones on the US Billboard dance chart. There's an album with all of them on it coming out this Friday. Now, only a few people have actually got to say, I've met Madonna. Chris Evans from Virgin Radio is one of them. He was the host of the Brit Awards in 1995. Uh, Chris has met her in person a fair few times, and he told me about the most memorable. And then my third encounter with her, I've had a few. (laughs) Um, uh, My third one was when I hosted the Brits, and she was on the Brits. And I was invited to go and meet her backstage uh, before we before the Brits happened that that night you know and it's it's a funny thing that because you obviously it's great to meet Madonna but you just know that she sort of is busy too busy to and focused on her performance and she isn't going to meet want to meet anyone let alone me what was she like well the thing is her her documentary in bed with Madonna had just been released and in that documentary is a scene where she's having to meet people backstage before a gig. <laughs> the Kevin Costner thing. The Kevin, the Kevin Costner, Costner thing. <laughs> exactly yeah. that. And I'm thinking, I'm walking up to, to her dressing <laughs> thinking, I mean, I'm not Kevin Costner, don't get me wrong, you know, but this is like, and I, if you remember what she said about him, you think, what's she going to say about people like me <laughs> and so so i just said somebody said oh this is chris evans he's the host of uh, the brits and i said look i've seen the film um <laughs> you know i know this is a kevin costner moment not that i'm kevin costner i'm just gonna go now and she said okay well it was nice to meet you <laughs> uh, i love it darren hayes from savage garden went one better when he was invited out for dinner with her. It just turned out that that dinner party was a belated birthday for Madonna. And bless him, he didn't tell me that because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone <laughs> if he told me that. It would have freaked you out. Yeah. And there was only about 16 people there. And so that's the short story. So I went and um, we arrived late. And it was so funny because it was my husband and I and we were really underdressed because he told me it was just for some drinks. And everyone was in tuxedos and cocktail dresses and it was madonna made a really funny joke actually she said um and i use this joke now on people she said did you know you were coming to dinner (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get into the next track tonight and it's deeper and deeper one of my favorites who better to talk about meeting madonna than legendary adult movie director Shishi LaRue, who was invited to appear in his video. So come on, Shishi, tell me about your starring Madonna moment. How did that happen? Well, I went to an audition for people that were going to be in the, in the video and the director of the video, you know, I went to the audition in drag and he instantly said, oh yes, you need to be in it. And um, so actually on my birthday it was on my birthday that we filmed the video and i went and i wore a big feather big orange feather coat and madonna was very oh she was very aloof she was very didn't want anybody really to talk to her she had some of her friends there like sofia coppola and debbie mazar and and the people that she would speak to Mm. and um they kept saying you know, don't look at her. Don't make her uncomfortable. Really? And I just thought, oh, that's so, yeah. And that's so ridiculous. But I heard her while we were, were setting up shots and stuff. I can hear her saying my name. And she was dating my neighbor at the time, John Enos, right. who is an actor and a model. And 
I could hear her saying my name. And so, like, I want Shishi to stand here. Um, I, when, I, I want, when I walk through, I want Shishi to be here. And so I got some really good shots dancing in the, in the disco. And then I went, she said, they told me I was released. And then I went downstairs to get my stuff. And then somebody screamed, she wants you for another shot. <laughs> so I went back upstairs and it was actually the best shot I had in the movie. So she goes, she comes out. I'll never forget this as long as I live. She came to where we were standing. I was standing there with two boys and she goes, okay, um, what's your name again? To me. Yeah. After she'd been saying my name all day. Right. And I said, it's Larry. And she goes, okay, I want Shishi to stand here and uh, pretend that she's buying drugs from these, <laughs> these boys. Right. And, and then she goes, here's your chance to act. I can't help falling in love. I fall deeper and deeper the further I go. Kisses sent from heaven above. They get sweeter and sweeter the more that I know. If you just tuned in, it's Virgin Radio Pride. This is a Madonna specialist. Madonna, finally enough love. She's had 50 Billboard US dance chart number ones. And you can listen to them all when the album comes out this Friday. That was Deeper and Deeper. That was released from the album Erotica. At exactly the same time that album was released, Madonna released her coffee book, Sex. Now, I remember queuing up outside of Waterstones to try and get hold of this book, and the queue was immense. When I got my hands on it, I couldn't quite believe how explicit the book was. I mean, it was a coffee table book, and yet some of the things in it, my mum wouldn't have been happy if she'd seen it. Let's speak to adult movie director Shi Shi LaRue, who explains how Madonna brought porn into the mainstream. Joey Stefano, one of my discoveries, one of my stars, actually ended up being in the book yes with her she went she went to the gaiety theater to pick boys you know dancers and do some shots at the gaiety theater and i, I remember joey telling me that she said when they were shooting the pictures she's like oh well, we have two superstars on set today <laughs> joey and her meaning mean yes that's amazing I and mean, how did that make you feel as this huge director well, I said- Seeing I the felt pop great star about it. bringing it into the I, mainstream. Yes, I felt great about it. Madonna superfan and creator of the Inside the Groove podcast, Edward Russell, said Madonna was a trailblazer when it came to talking about sex, displaying her sexuality, and warning her fans to look after themselves in the depths of the AIDS pandemic. I mean, I suppose, Edward, she became our sort of role model, didn't she? But it's more than a role model. What she did in 1989 with the Like a Prayer album is uh, there was a little pamphlet that went out with the album, um, which was facts about um, HIV. I think it was um, titled something like AIDS is not a party. And it was talking about safe sex. And it was this part of of the packaging that went out um, and gave people advice of how not to contract AIDS or HIV. Um, and this is such a risk to do. Nobody would associate with the gay community then at all, um, or any time previous to that, and not many times since. Mm. She 
absolutely put her career uh, at risk by doing that, especially in America. Yeah. Um, and, and we know how um, conservative they can be. I myself without a doubt, would not been here today if I hadn't taken the advice. I was 19 um, when that album came out, and I'm sure you're stunned by my beauty now, but, but I can assure you that 33 years ago I was a cute little thing. Um, you and, still are. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and That was an awkward moment. That was an awkward moment. You are, yes, you know, you, come on. You, you got there. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is, I, you know, I had a lot of opportunities being thrown my way uh, as a 19-year-old, but I, I read the pamphlet, I remember what she said about safe sex, mm. um, and and I've talked about this in the podcast, I remember from that period, that was probably the worst period. Many of my friends that were there then and were Madonna fans did not make it. Didn't even make it beyond the end of the year. I've, I've got a particular memory of a friend of mine who loved Madonna and I can, I can remember being in a club and dancing with him to, to Vogue and to Cherish and uh, he died of, of uh, AIDS-related illness before the end of the year. Uh, and so I'm thankful to Madonna for, for giving me that help and advice and everybody that is here today because of her. Let's get back to the Madonna music and we take you to 1998 now. Ray of Light was Madonna's seventh studio album that was released in March that year. It produced a song that's been performed on almost all of her tours since. And this is a particular favourite for fans who pay over the odds to watch Madonna right at the front of stadiums and arenas around the world. It is, of course... Ray of Light. Ray of Light on Virgin Radio Pride. This is Madonna, Finally Enough Love. We're looking back on her 40-year career and celebrating her 50 US Billboard dance chart number ones. That's quite an achievement. Got a brand new album out on Friday featuring all of those tracks. Now, listen, we must go to the next chapter and talk about the music album. Here is Virgin Radio presenter and legend Chris Evans telling me his memory of that time. She was showcasing her album when she was dressed as a cowgirl. I can't remember what was the album called. Oh, that's the music album, was it, when she did Don't yeah, music. Tell Me Music? Yeah, yeah so she, and she showcased that at the Brixton Academy. Yes. Um, and it was a real cool venue for... Harry Styles has just done similar. Mm. Um, many bands have. But when you take a sort of stadium, mega pop act like Madonna, and you, you stick her, you know, in the in the centre of the legendary venue that is the British That is Academy. such an intimate yeah. space as well. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not her. small, but for her, yeah. But it worked gangbusters. It was an amazing, amazing showcase. And the warm-up act that night, the support act that night, was, was Texas. And so, obviously, because I know Charlene, Charlene said, we're going for a drink after. Do you want to come? And I said, who? She said, me and Madonna. I said, oh, okay then. <laughs> and we ended up at the Grenadier Pub yeah. in um, Belgravia. And all I remember thinking, because the only time I'd really met her before was backstage at the Brits when she was sitting down. I remember thinking, me. I thought Kylie was small, but I think Kylie could probably fit Madonna in her pocket. Not that that matters. <laughs> Not that any of that matters. Now, you see, unlike Chris Evans, I didn't go to that show because I didn't even go to the Drowned World Tour. I don't know what I was doing that summer, and I feel slightly less of a Madonna fan uh, by telling you that. But 
Uh, I did buy the limited edition version of the music album. It was the Japanese import, and I played it until I wore that thing out. Two of my favourite tracks are on that album, Impressive Instant and Runaway Lover. But we should play its title track, a track where Ali G appeared in the video, and it was kind of like a completely revolutionary sound for Madonna. Here's the title track. Steve Daniel with you. So proud to be hosting this tonight. Madonna, finally enough love. 50 US Billboard number one hits. Now, this next tune is very special because loads of people I've spoken to have cited this song as their favourite. It's Hung Up. Now, one of the best shows I've ever seen Madonna do is her intimate confessions on a G.A.Y. dance floor show at London's Astoria. And I caught up with Mr. G.A.Y. himself, Jeremy Joseph, who told me how Madonna planned her whole promotional tour around this one G.A.Y. date. We decided not to announce it was Madonna. We just call it Confessions on the G.A.Y. Dance Floor. And let and it was just so obvious. And then obviously, you know, this is Madonna, a worldwide superstar. We knew this was going to get out of hand. So we had, you know, then we spoke, we had meetings with the management, with the, the agent and how they want to do it. And they said, like, look, we don't want people like turning up on the night. Like, because not the way we run GOY, we don't do advanced tickets. But they said that this, we wanted to do advanced. So, literally, we had to plan. And they then also said, we want this to be for people who go to GOY. You need to only do this for people who come to GOY. Because we can do Wembley Arena for, for Madonna fan. We don't want, we so want this cool, about GOY. This is really, so we had to do this whole thing where for a week before you had to come to GOY, we'd like stamp up this t- yeah. this kind of card where then you would come and queue up the nut and we would sell them. And it, it was the most we didn't think that there'd be like we just thought people would turn up the next morning click their wristband no people started queuing uh, like you know I think it was like 10 o'clock at night it was cold night, weather night as well there were people outside in blankets we were making people tea we were serving <laughs> the biscuit because it was like it was just the most incredible atmosphere we stayed up all night yeah. we had this so you know going into having to do Madonna at J.Y. Uh, no sleep. More about that concert where she sung Hung Up in just a second from Jeremy Joseph. But I asked Graham Norton, a really toughie from Madonna fan, his favourite Madonna tune. Hung Up or something? I d- oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. That was the first song I played on this show, on the Virgin Radio, yes. uh, on my show on Virgin Radio. That was the first song I played. So I think maybe that. Why is that? Um, well, it's got a little bit of habit in it. <laughs> Which is always nice. As somebody else who agreed that Madonna's Hung Up is the best track of them all was Matt Cain when I asked him his favourite Madonna concert interlude. What would be my favourite interlude? I would possibly say from from Lucky Star to Hung Up at the end of the Confessions Tour. When um, the free runners come on with the parkour and they blast out to the sides of the stage into the auditorium. While she's getting changed, we don't even realise what's going on. She's slipped off at the end of Lucky Star and then she comes up 
through the disco ball, in the leotard, <laughs> and we're like, bang, we're into Hong Kong. So back to my favourite Madonna gig of all time. That night in November 2005, and Madonna's Confessions on a G.A.Y. dance floor. I was lucky enough to be in the crowd, and the moment she came up from behind the screen, I went deaf because the crowd cheered so loudly. Back to Jeremy Joseph, and I asked him, did she even rehearse before turning up to that gig? There's about three or four of us and her whole crew. And we and I did that and I looked up and went, Oh my god, there's Madonna. <laughs> there's Madonna. And it's like, so that was like, wow. So she did her rehearsal, didn't get to speak to them because literally it was in and out. And then she came back. Um and I remember the week before lying to the owner's story. The story was a bit tacky at the time and it needed work and they weren't spending money on it. And I lied and I said, oh God, Madonna's being so demanding. She said, you have to decorate and paint backstage. <laughs> and I completely lied, but it wasn't. I just wanted backstage decorated. <laughs> so an apology to that, to Madonna now, I'm going to admit, I lied to the owners. I said, won't get it unless you decorate backstage. But I got the whole of backstage done up. So that was amazing. Um, and then... Um, so that was incredible. And then my moment with Madonna was just before she went on stage and it was just her and I standing by the stage door before you walk on stage. And we were, we didn't, like, she was just preparing, so I didn't really say anything for her. And then you could hear that whole audience chanting her name. Yeah. And, every, and it's like, I look, she looked at me, I looked at her, and we just smiled at each other, but it was like, I, th I felt like we had a moment. <laughs> go love that hung up the actual version that she performed that night at G.A.Y. back in 2005 it's Steve Denny here this is Madonna finally enough love she's had 50 US billboard chart number ones and the whole album for you to get is out on Friday now listen we need to address that legendary 2015 incident going into living for love now Graham Norton. Were you at the Brits that night? No, I wasn't. Uh, oh. I was on holiday and I woke up to text saying, oh, Steve, oh, no. You know, it was just heartbreaking <laughs> to see it, wasn't it? And the th I, I, you can hear it just on television, the thud at the arena. Oh. When she, I mean, what was that like, just the, the, that Brit Awards performance? So the, there was the thud. There was the thud. Because it, what was weird was uh, I knew one of the floor managers and he was saying, oh, God, you know, <laughs> Um, Madonna's been driving us crazy. She's been doing all these extra rehearsals. She's in here when there's, you know, the, it's just working lights. You know, she's rehearse, 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 rehearse. And I've heard this from other people. I remember when Nicki Minaj did her halftime show at the Super Bowl, she went, I don't rehearse this much from my own shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Madonna done all the rehearsal and she... She went to take the cloak off. And I remember thinking at the time, isn't it amazing nothing ever goes wrong? That, literally, that's what I thought as she was pulling at the thread of the, the cloak. I was thinking, oh, it's weird nothing ever goes wrong. And then they pulled her and you got to, well, is that on purpose? And then the fall. And you thought, oh, no, that was not mm. on purpose. And 
the sound of 13,000 people inhaling, gasping at the same time, is something I won't forget in a hurry. It was... so, And then, and you know, horrible for her. And apparently she was very, very upset afterwards and it was mm. terrible. But nothing else mattered. Nobody knows anything else that happened that night. That was the one... <laughs> thing she that occurred owned it, didn't she all the publicity the following day was yeah. was her it was all her uh, but i i genuinely don't think she did it on purpose and darren hayes from savage garden remembers that incident and what happened later on that year when she went on tour with the rebel heart world tour you would think if you did a performance that had a cape in it and a week beforehand you fell over because someone you know tied it too tightly around your neck mm. You would maybe remove a cape from all future performances. But you know what she did? She kept that cape on for every single performance she afterwards did, she? for the Rebel entire Heart world show. tour. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was a big As cheer, say, you know, when Pete went, when she got yeah. through at the Rebel Heart show. People were like, yes. <laughs> As if to say, I'm not changing my show. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh-huh. Storming mix that is Living for Love. Steve Danio doing finally enough love here on Virgin Radio Pride. We're celebrating Madonna's huge, huge career. 50 number ones on the US Billboard dance chart. And the album is out this Friday. Uh, We've got one track to play, but I thought I must chat with the biggest Madonna fans in the whole world about one very, very important subject. And that is, what's next for Madonna? Here's author and journalist Matt Cain. What she needs to do, I know she's very wary of, of celebrating her legacy because she doesn't want to be a nostalgia artist. She doesn't want to be a legacy act. But I would say celebrate that back catalogue. Nobody has a back catalogue like you 50 do. 50 number ones. 50, there was 78 top 10 hits. The songs she never plays, the songs like Causing a Commotion, I love it. The fans loved it Loved it at the time. They still love it. She never plays that's it. That's not even on the album, so that's There's, been totally... She's t- left them off. Yeah. There's number ones that she's left off because she doesn't like them. Celebrate them all because lots of us love them for different reasons. I asked Graham Norton if there would ever be a chance Madonna would take a greatest hits show on the road because, you know, that needs to be seen. She's not interested in that. I mean, I think it's fascinating that she's doing this album because there is a sense that, oh, she does understand how important her legacy is and that the fans are invested in that legacy. But I think as a performer, she seems far more interested in new collaborations, working. She might do kind of a remix Greatest Hits tour or something where she was collaborating with other people. I don't know. But I'm with you. I mean, what a great night out that would be to just have hit after hit yes. after hit it yeah. would be amazing but I'm glad to report that DJ and remixer Wayne G disagrees he reckons there might actually be some kind of greatest hits tour in the pipeline I think the fact that she's putting out these new remixes uh, with the younger talent etc and the Beyonce things just dropped 
uh i think it's and you know you obviously got the album coming of you know the, the 50 number one billboard songs although causing a commotion is missing and yes. i am upset why do you think uh, she's but... taking that off she doesn't even perform that she doesn't perform that it's blonde know, ambition what's that she? about it's like you can't ignore it's there and it was a hit and we love it yeah we love it but yeah i think she is i i hope that she's getting more into the collaborations because I mean, she's such a trailblazer, despite what people want to say on social media these days and all that. And she has been there from the start. She's made beds. She's laid in them. She's made beds for all the kids now, and they're all doing her thing. You know, in some way or another, they're doing her thing. And I think she'll probably this year will be spent doing a few more collaborations, and I think next year we're going to get new material. Do you I think, do you think we're, we'll ever get a Greatest Hits tour? I... I I may have heard that's coming next year. Really? That's all I'm going to say. Do you think she will, though? Because she seems to, that seems to be something that she's never really wanted to do. So it's kind of forward thinking. I think know, this current. is the start of something that's a little bit bigger than what they're saying. This is something that you've heard? Maybe. Well, I think we may have had a bit of an exclusive there to end with. Uh, Steve Denier doing Finally Enough Love here on Virgin Radio Pride. Thank you, Wayne G. Thanks to all my other guests as well. Chris Evans, Graham Norton, Tom Allen, Darren Hayes, Matt Kane, Edward Russell, Shishi LaRue, Jack Severetti, and my wonderful producer, Harry Cook. I'm going to leave things to Shishi LaRue to sum up Madonna's amazing 40-year career. She is the queen. She's the queen. Come join the party, yeah. Let's get this started, The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, celebrating all LGBTQIA plus identities.